Hey everyone, welcome to episode 18 of my podcast, Is Breakfast Included? Now today on the podcast, I sit down with the very talented singer, songwriter, and performer, Jamie Lynn Wilson. Now I caught up with Jamie at the legendary Kessler Theater here in Dallas, Texas, and she shared a few stories about getting started in the music business, her affinity for Tom Petty, and how she handled the last year. I won't do it any justice in this intro, so I'm going to let her tell you all about it. Let's check it out. Yeah, I don't. Good. So. Good. I'm into that. Cool. Cool. Well, tell me who you are, where you're from. Uh, I am Jamie Lynn Wilson, and I'm from Texas. I grew up outside of Houston, and now I live outside of San Antonio. Small towns all around. All right. yeah. When did you start playing? College. I didn't get a guitar until I was 19, sophomore in college. Is there a... Is there like a, a musical background in your family that made you want to play or did? Um, I mean, we didn't have any professional musicians, but my grandma played piano and organ um, on my dad's side. And I found out later that my grandma on my mom's side played accordion and uh, harmonica, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. But, um, but no, there wasn't really any like anybody like i i didn't really know that this life existed whenever i was little i thought that you were either reba mcintyre or you just like worked at the bank you know <laughs> like there was no like you know we had little little polka bands yeah. around where i grew up so there was that you know yeah. but i never thought to do it what made you want to do it um i don't even really no, singing was always something that I just did naturally. Like I, you know, I knew that I could sing whenever I was little. And so music itself was a really huge part of, like, that's why I love all of those old songs because there's like, I could get yeah. lost in that, you know, go mow the yard. Okay. Well, I'm mowing the yard and then I'm like singing Lori Morgan songs while I'm mowing the yard, <laughs> you know, like that. And I never thought anybody could hear me. And then later I found out they could all hear me the whole time. <laughs> like I thought I was in my own world. But, um, you know, it was always something that I loved so much, just kind of an un, I don't want to say unreachable thing because I wasn't reaching yeah. for it. It was just kind of an untouchable. Yeah. Like those, those things, are those radio, are those people, you know, you know they wear it. ball gowns and, <laughs> you know, I did always kind of have a, I did always kind of have a dream of um, singing with Merle Haggard whenever I was little. That was like, if I could do anything, I want to sing with Merle Haggard, you know. But, but, you know, eventually, like I went through high school and stuff. We didn't have a choir. We didn't do any of that. But um, when I got to college, I went to Texas A&M and I started seeing little bands at the bars. And... Going like I remember watching Susan Gibson, like I stumbled into this little bar called I think it was called the Cow Hop on Northgate, and Susan Gibson, who I didn't know at the time, was in there with a three piece, an upright bass player who I met later, and Eleanor on the fiddle, and I was like, well, that's cool, like I could maybe do something like that. Yeah. You know, and then my cousin and I went to go see the Dixie Chicks in Houston. And it was this huge show. It was the Fly Tour. Um, Joe Ely opened. 
And that was the first time that I saw Joe Ely. And so like all of these things kind of started going, hold on, there's like a other thing. And I knew about like Todd Snyder and I knew about Jack Ingram and I knew about Charlie Robinson and these guys yeah. that were going around the, the college towns. But again, it was something that I didn't think I could do. And then Natalie Maine stood out and came out by herself and sang Cold Day in July on the guitar just by herself. And I went, I could probably do that. Like, I could probably get a guitar and learn how to sing by myself, like, with no ambition of doing it in public, but, like, yeah. to just accompany myself so that I didn't have to sing along to the radio anymore. And so I said that to my cousin, and then two weeks later, she and my mom got me a guitar for Christmas. Oh, so you weren't even playing guitar when all no, this was going on? No, not at all. Head. Yeah, they just, all of a sudden, I had a guitar, and then I learned how to play it kind of easily. Like, I just got a book of chords and then printed off songs that I knew that had those chords in it. And I remember the first chord change whenever I went, that's a song. Yeah. Like, that sounds like the very first thing where I go, wow, I just made music by myself. And and then from... Sometimes you wish you could go back to the way you felt when you did that first chord change. Sometimes I still feel it. You do? It's the same feeling that happens whenever you come up with a really great line that it just came out of nowhere. And you go, oh, that's the song. Yeah. Like, you know, whenever you finally figure out what the hook is or you finally figure out how the melody goes or whatever, like it's that same, like, ah, and that's why we keep chasing it. Right. You know? Um, when did you start writing your own songs? Pretty shortly thereafter. So I uh, kind of learned how to play in secret because I am the kind of, I've gotten a little better at it now, but I've always been the kind of person who doesn't want to show anybody that I'm not good at something, Uh huh. you know? So I don't, I didn't want to tell anybody I was learning how to play guitar until I could show them that I knew how to do it, you know? For that fear of like, play something. Just for like... <laughs> Oh, you can play guitar. Cool. I'm like, eh, I can't really know, you know, that. Yeah, like show us what you know. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um and also, you know, I just like being being sufficient at something <laughs> before I do it in public, you know. Being on stage has cured a lot of that. Like now I can kind of improv a little bit better with like I don't know this song. Let's sing it anyway. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. I can Jam. I can do now, yeah. <laughs> like, throw the chords at me. You know, just tell me what they are and I'll follow along, you know. But then, so I I started playing guitar and then I um, kind of stumbled upon a group of songwriters there in College Station and, uh, and kind of just started making up songs, like pretty much right away. And they weren't that great, obviously. Nobody's, you know, unless you're John Prine, like, yeah, first right. song's not great, unless you're Guy Clark, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, I started, and then within a few months, I was in a band. Like, it just kind of, oh, this girl can sing. Oh, th and they were, like, kind of helping me, like, going, fly, little birdie. You kind of learned. You know, and I learned as on you started stage. Performing. Yeah. Cool. There was a lot of... 
like band practices where we would go hang out and learn new songs and I'd go, I don't know how to do that. You know, but I didn't want to tell them that I didn't know how to do that. So I would just kind of study what they were doing and then go home and practice it. And then by the next practice I knew how to do it. So you're you're a true country musician. You never went through like, I want to be a pop singer and that didn't Mm-mm. work out. Mm-mm. You've been doing country. Yeah. I mean one. country is just kind of what I what comes out of me. Okay. You know, I guess. I mean, I love, I love, like, I don't know, I guess that, I guess the rock music that I do love always has a tinge of storytelling in it. Yeah. Too, which is the country. Yeah. Thing is really the storytelling part of it. So, like, my favorite rock musicians, Tom Petty, and like, they've all got Springsteen, like, they've all got country in them. You know, (laughs) it's not too far of a leap. No, you know, to go there. Um, your first band was called the uh, Gougers. Gougers. Mm -hmm. And how long were you in that band? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Yep. And right as that group was ending, and that was a very, um, like, I was a lead singer with my friend Shane. So it was male, female led. Like we were very, we learned, we knew every Graham and Emmy Lou song. We, you know, it was a, we traded leads and there was a lot of harmony and it was really fun. We traveled a lot everywhere to whenever I started going on my first tours. That's whenever I learned how to sleep in a van, you know, <laughs> like, oh, we can't, we can sleep in this Holiday Inn parking lot so that we can have a bathroom in the morning. Right. You know, that kind of touring. The important things. Yeah. <laughs> They won't mind us here. You know, they have coffee in the mornings. Just walk in like we know what we're doing. And uh, and then after that ended was like kind of right at the beginning of my next band, which was the Trishas. So that kind which of... Which was my introduction to you. That's yeah. when I saw you the first time. Yeah, cool. The yeah, so that was all girls. And it was, again, we would trade off leads. We all wrote songs. It was big harmony. And uh, I, they people used to ask us like how to divide, you know, what kind of music do y'all play? And we're like, well, it's really hard to say, you know, it's not exactly country and it's not exactly folk music and it's not exact. But I read an article in an interview one time with Rhett Miller and they were talking about the old 97s and he said, style is defined by your limitations. Yeah. And I went, yeah. That's us. Yeah. We all do exactly what we can do with all of our hands and all of our feet. And then that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I was on tour one time and I'm normally really good about telling you where I was and what, but I I was with this band and we went to our uh, shower room after the show and you guys were in the same hotel. And I saw you guys walking, and I go, hey, like a weirdo, you guys. And I said, I saw, I used to work for Jack Ingram. And then you guys walk by like, okay. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, it was really yeah, cool. I, I was a big fan. Um, well, I think the first time I saw you guys was at um, Brewster Street, I think. Or Oh, in Corpus. Yeah. Yeah. Open for Jack. Oh, okay. For Jack. Yeah, that room is hard for a all acoustic, lots of yeah. vocals. Uh, yeah mix yeah <laughs> um influences 
who did you who did not try and emulate but who were your influences well you know at first whenever i was learning how to sing like and sing my own songs and it was you know i can i listen back now and go oh that's where i got like it was obvious the emmylou harris and nancy griffith kathy matea susie bogus patty loveless patty griffin like all of those just really great deliverers mm-hmm. you know and um and i listen back and go and listen to old country songs oh man highway 101 you know paulette carlson like she's such a great singer and i would sing those songs and try to sound exactly like her you know did you tell her she was sleeping in a bed you made for me like those kind of they're so good and and i can see oh i got that move from dolly parton and i stole that move from you know whoever and so yeah and in singing influences it's just kind of a huge it's it took me a while to figure out what i sounded like and i think that happens to everybody that learns how to sing you just at first you're trying to sound like your favorite people yeah and then a little while later you go oh this is my voice yeah i hear it now and still taking you know from like i mentioned tom petty earlier i remember whenever i realized that what i loved so much about his songs and what drew me to him is there's two things and one of them is his use of an acoustic guitar running down a dream like that's an acoustic guitar everyone knows that part right it's just as much as they know the rest of exactly the song. They know the, uh, yeah yeah and like he used you know that whole wildflowers record like yeah and uh highway companion is my favorite probably record of all time really like i love it so much like anytime that i just need to recenter yeah you know i'm like today's a highway companion day you know square one my slate is clear like it's all just but his use of an acoustic guitar made me feel more important as a as a rhythm player you know it made me really go okay this is important and i can lead a song all on my own and even if i'm just standing there with just an acoustic guitar the other thing about his songs and his production is the dynamics of yeah. of his recordings and it gets real loud and then it drops down to nothing you know like room at the top yeah it's like, ah, and then it's like you know the few the few people no. who know me really well mm-hmm. that are going to listen to this mm-hmm. will say like oh you got her to say all that <laughs> Because they know how much of a fanatic yeah. I am about Tom okay. Petty. Okay, <laughs> well, I mean, is that accurate? What I'm exactly. like, those are the every, things every that like I I didn't want to interrupt. Have you gotten because, from him. Yeah. Whenever I really started to pay attention, is like it's that just that dy- the dynamics of his. It's powerful. Yeah. Like, and it makes you really like zone in and listen to what he's saying. And so I've I've tried to incorporate that over the years into my songwriting oh this is where it can get big and then this is where we bring them back down i also use that in live shows whenever the crowd's getting rowdy i know which songs i can play 
that, to go, your go-tos. My go-tos. Yeah. And it's, and it always is that like something that, that gets everybody going and then drops down and then they mm. go and the whole crowd will, will get lower Yeah, to go, whoa, something just happened. And they turn around and look and then I can get them back in. Yeah. You know, and that's it's funny you like, say that about the acoustic guitar because, um, the acoustic guitar, the acoustic. my enunciation, yeah. <laughs> uh, just like heartache, mm-hmm. you do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when I listen to that song, I listen to the, of course I listen to the yeah. melody and the song yeah. itself, well, that but you was hear a, the acoustic, it's, it's the it's song. It's prominent. Yeah. Yeah. That's And the that, song. we actually, that's like four acoustic guitars of, again, and a little Tom Petty nod, mm. like that wall of. Yeah. The of, layers. Yes. The layers <laughs> of, we're going to capo this one on the, you know, and then we're going to throw a 12 string in the back and then we're, you know, like to really drive that acoustic yeah. sound. And we did that with that whole record. It was kind of my, it was really intentional to like, okay, this record of these holidays and wedding rings, it's my first full length solo record after the Trishas and the Gougers. Like it was terrifying, you know, to do it. You kind of wanted to make a statement. But I wanted to like be able to still be relatable enough to the people that were big fans of the Trishas Mm -hmm. And then also have my own, like, but this is what I actually sound like. But all of the lead instruments on that record are acoustic instruments. And, I mean, there are electric instruments on it, but, like, all the leads are taken by an acoustic guitar or, or, you know, like, the most prominent. It was all intentional. It was all intentional because the Trishas were such an acoustic It's funny when you say your influences, you know, were Kathy Mateo. When I heard that album... um, and I could be completely wrong here. Mm-hmm. I could be completely wrong. I I grew up. Uh, I was a. I grew up in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So you had like, you know that that style of country, and that's. I don't want to sound real cheesy, but when mm-hmm. I listen to that album, that's where it takes me. Yeah, it takes me to when I was that age and listening a- to like Ronnie Millsap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that it wasn't quite what pop country right. is. It was like storytelling, right? Well, know? that's that's that whole what do they call it? The great, um, the integrity, the great integrity scare of the eighties <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Whenever it was like Lyle Lovett and Rodney Crowell and yeah. Kathy Matea and Nancy Griffith and all these like songwriters, yeah. that could sing, yeah. And then they were like, "Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> our power is being taken away." You know, we're, these are supposed to be separate things. Songwriters and singers are separate. Yeah. But during that time, which was my formative years, yeah, you know, in the in the early in the late eighties and the early nineties, whenever I was going, "Whoa, that's music," you know, it was those people, yeah, Rodney Crow, like "Stars on the Water," all of those things, those late eighties and. Roseanne Cash, Seven Year Ache, like that time period probably infiltrated my brain. Yeah, more it did. Than, I mean, I can yeah. I can hear it, but it's not so over like it's not so like I'm gonna try and be that. But you hear it. Right. Spots I just it in, there's just that's you know? what comes out. Yeah. You know, like well, that's a compliment. I don't mean well, that like Well, you thank know. you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I take it that way for sure. Um but it's any time that I, you know, I have sat down and tried to write in different styles and yeah. they all end up going back to this kind of comfort- comfortable spot. Yeah. 
that lets me get the words out easier. And every once in a while, I'll go back and go, okay, now I got the words out. Let's kind of play with it yeah. a little and, you know, play with the melody or whatever. But, um, you know, that really helps me to just go, this is how I know to get words. Right on. You know. <laughs> um, and Jumping Over Rocks. Yeah. Let's talk about that album. Okay. Yeah, that was your last yeah. release, full release. Yeah. Uh, what was it like recording that album? Okay, so... You recorded a really short time. I did. Yeah, it took four days, and we did it all live. And I that record, it was interesting the way that it all came to be anyway, because, you know, we have a really busy personal life. Like, at the time that I was... Whenever I, re whenever I made Holidays and Wedding Rings, I was pregnant with my third kid. And so whenever that kind of, and then we toured it and then I was, we have three small children, you know? And so every record that I try that I make, I make it to where I go, if this is the last thing I ever make, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Like we left it all out there. I didn't, you know, I love all of these songs. So I didn't have another record in mind and, and I don't right now either for that matter. Like after jumping over rocks, I'm like, cool. I don't know. You know, I would love to, but but I remember sitting down and writing. There's a song on there. It's the last track, actually. It's called If I Told You. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and I wrote that. And it was inspired by a song a friend sent me. I went, that song sounds like it's not complete. It needs a part two. And I wrote the part two. And then I went, well, shit, now I have to make another record. Like, this is a really good song, you know? Now I have to make another record. And that kind of got me into gear of finding the songs for Jumping Over Rocks. And and every song that I finished, it had to be either better or as good as that first one. Like, that was my standard. Yeah. And if I didn't like it as much as that one, then I either fixed it or I threw it out. Didn't make it. And just didn't make it. So when I went to record it, I had in my mind, like, I want to, and I had this in mind for holidays and wedding rings too, but I didn't end up being able to do it because I had a sinus infection or something. Like, I couldn't sing the vocals during when we cut all the stuff, but I was like, I'm going to do it live, all live. I'm going to sing it. That's going to be the vocal take. Like, anything y'all play, that's going to be your take. Like, we're going to rehearse it until we're ready to record and then we're going to do it. Yeah. And that's how it happened. The only thing that's not live is harmonies on wow. that record. So the way that, that we were able to record all what, 10 or 11 songs in four days was because we went, that's exactly the song. And it, and I love how it, everybody was in the same room except for me and I could see everybody so as we were, you know, kind of nodding over, like just like a live show where you go, all right, Charlie, it's your turn. Yeah. You know, like you give a signal nod over eyes. to the yeah, guitar yeah. player. Hey, you take the first round. And it, and at first we're talking to each other through the cans and and leading each other through the song and then stopping and starting again. And But then as it just kind of goes, we think we're ready, like – the songs kind of breathe in that way whenever whenever you're not going, let's just put this guitar track down and then we'll take out whatever we don't need. Yeah. There was no extra. 
So whatever it was they played, whatever they was. played, that's what it was. Cool. And like then the steel would do the fills, and then the you know organ would do whatever. Like, and it just kind of flows so nicely. And I don't ever want to record any other way ever yeah. again. What well, so pleasant? The album sounds to overuse an overused word, organic. So it does come across. Well, thank you. You know, what after holidays and wedding rings, mm -hmm. I thought, well, you can't do any better than this. <laughs> you know, this is a great album. Yeah, and you, you. you did. Well, thank you. You, you just really. I, I have always that, had a dream. that you care what Bernie well, thinks. Well, <laughs> I do, of course. And I've always had a dream of making a record that way. Yeah. Of just going, this is how I feel that music should be made. Yeah. Like, it's always been kind of weird to me to go, now we're going to lay down the bass track yeah. or whatever. I'm like, no, yeah. the bass track should be laid down with the drum track yeah. and with the guitar track. And the yeah, like we all play it on the stage together. Just come back in a couple of days when right. we're ready for you. No, that, yeah, yeah, we'll send you this. Yeah, and you can do it in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as convenient as, the, as that, that is, is for yeah. certain types of music, yeah. that's not my style. Of music like i'm not if i was like a pop singer or something that would like to be very very polished yeah but i don't appreciate that like i love listening to emmy lou records where like she's a little flat yeah you know like where i go oh she's the, and a I, hand on the strength and you hear yeah. a hand on a string yeah. and you hear a groan or a breath or you hear like a i didn't quite reach that note but i'm gonna I'm going to yeah. move my way down now. You know, yeah. like you can tell whenever there's there's a certain energy and attention in that 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 has always to me been very attractive. Yeah. Like I like that. So I wanted to to do that. Yeah. There's I, some I don't, notes. I don't... There's some notes on jumping over rocks that I didn't <laughs> quite get. And I would sit there and go, "Are we going to leave that?" And they're like the rest of the song's really good. I'm like, cool, we're leaving it. Yeah. I'm not afraid of imperfection. Yeah. Like I'm not I don't remember so... who said it, but someone said that the 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 magic is in the mistakes. Right. You the, like you even on the Led Zeppelin albums, you Yeah. Hear, Jimmy Page is so sloppy, but you're like, that's ah, Jimmy Page. Right. <laughs> I know? know. Like going back to um Tom Petty again, but there's <laughs> <laughs> there's that there's some recording that I've never heard again. But I had it, and I can't find it, but it's of um, Walls. Uh -huh. You got a heart, heart, so, so. And the, whoever's singing the harmony yeah. in the right speaker is the worst harmony yeah. singer ever. And whoever does the harmonica solo hits the wrong. there's two or three versions. I think that's the circus version. Is it's it? It's called like okay. Walls Circus Version. Well, it sounds like a circus. Yeah. <laughs> So that's appropriate. You hear Ben Malik. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, and then like there's the worst harmonica solo ever, but the great part is that they hit the wrong note. And this is now my own philosophy for harmonica playing. If you hit the wrong note, just hang. Yeah. Just leave it yeah. until it's right because the chords will come back again yeah. to where that becomes the right note. And the release of that tension is like brings it home is my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> you're like this sounds wrong this sounds wrong and then it lands and you're like yes that was so great <laughs> uh also in that album uh you did a cover song on that album i did it's yeah i've Clark always song, right? wanted to i've always wanted to cut that song and i just never and you did it as a duet yeah that was Ingram. a that was a 
spur of the moment decision yeah. even because we had it on the list of songs to record and I was getting sounds on the first day and I was playing it. I was playing instant coffee blues with, you know, trying to get guitar sounds. And that's just the song I picked yeah. to play. And Ingram stopped by just cause we're at Arlen and that's where he likes to go. And he just stopped by to see how the session's going, you know, that. And so he came in and he was like, are you recording that song? I said, yeah, you want to sing on it? And he goes, sure. And then we're like, okay, well, I don't think we're doing it today, but we'll probably do it tomorrow, like on the list of yeah. where it was the next day or the day after. And he was like, all right, I'll be here. So he showed up and then he was like, so you want me to take like the second verse? And I was like, oh, is this a duet? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I've always had a dream of making it a duet because in my brain it is. Yeah, it's the story of these two people, and I've enjoyed singing it from a female perspective for forever because I think that puts a whole other spin on it. It does, and then also, and and it's undercovered. Nobody covers it. Yeah. Like, it's not, if somebody's like, I'm going to sing a Guy Clark song, it's always something else, yeah. you know? And, but that's been my favorite for so long. Between that one and She Ain't Going Nowhere, those are the ones that I've always, like, gone back yeah. to, to cover. And so then he was like, I can come in at the girl's verse. So then I sang the guy about talking about the guy. Mm -hmm. And then he sang the verse talking about the woman. And it just ended up being really cool. Yeah. It's a great version of that song. Yeah. Like, we were really happy with it. I was like, dang, okay. You know, I'm really excited about that. Um, you mentioned earlier your kids. Yes. You tour with your kids. I try. I mean, I do. Up until the babies, this last year. The babies always come on the road. What's it like raising a family, being a solo artist, yeah, touring around the country? It is a balancing act, you know, like, I mean, I know that you probably know, but whenever you're on the road a lot, you basically have a double life. Yeah. Like we've got these friends and then we've got these friends yeah. and they're, you know, and, and those, and especially I don't live in Austin or in a city where any An of my friends city, live. Yeah. yeah. So it really is like, they're two separate things. And so I've, so whenever I have the babies and they come on the road, it brings those two things. It's a, it's grounding, yeah. you know, and it, it makes me go, okay, this is how it goes. Like for the first year and a half, the babies are at every show. I have to figure it out. There's like a lot of logistics and honestly, I don't even know how it works. Yeah. It's hard like, enough being on the road. Right. And worrying about yourself and your schedule every day. So Right. It's just and every baby was different too. So and every situation with every baby was different. Like with Maggie and Joni, the two girls, I was in the Trishas. Mm -hmm. And so we were touring, you know, as the Trishas and they basically had five ants on the road with us, you know, so it was a very uh community you know, it was a commune basically yeah. in a rolling house. Like we were in a van. Anybody would, if I went 
okay, I have to, I have to go to the bathroom. Can somebody hold this baby? Yeah. You know, like they would take care of, it was, hey, somebody go get Joni so Jamie can get dressed. Like it was all hands on deck all the time. And then when TR was born, it was right after uh, holidays and wedding rings. And I was on the road completely solo, not even with a tour manager or a merch person or anything. So you were doing it all. I just had the baby. And I would take my mom with me sometimes or like I think my sister came out. My sister flew out to Colorado to meet me one time. But it was actually, he was such a good baby that, and Maggie was this way too, that they had a schedule. They did that to themselves. I'm not a scheduler, but <laughs> but he was asleep every night by 7.30 and he loved his car seat and I could just put him in his car seat at 7.30 and give him his passy and he'd go to sleep anywhere. So I would just advance a babysitter like knuckleheads in Kansas City. I'd go, hey, Frank, do you have like a bar back that's not going to be working that night that could maybe like keep an eye on the baby while he sleeps? Sure. And then I'd get there and they're like, that's my niece. She's going to be watching your baby We're going to need a local merch guy. And a babysitter. <laughs> I mean, really, that's how I did it. Like I'd advance a merch person and I'd advance a babysitter. And there are people all over the country right now that'll be like, hey, I saw you one time in Omaha. I held your baby for you. <laughs> like, While you went up there and played yeah. the songs. <laughs> and in hindsight, I think how ridiculous that sounds. But in the moment, that's the only way it could have happened. That's what you had to do. Yeah. And I knew the baby and I knew the people that I was dealing with. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't like I was showing up at a random bar. Like yeah. these are people I've had relationships for, for ten, with for 10 years, you know? So they would, or I'd go and somebody has a cousin that lives there or my husband has, you know, family relatives or, or family or we'd here in Dallas, I've got a cousin that lives here. So I would just come and drop the baby off at her house for a few hours and then go spend the night there. So, and you know, honestly, if I didn't have this job, I probably wouldn't see my family as much as I do, yeah. you know, but go to college station, go to Dallas, go to St. Louis and Lubbock and Midland. Like I've got West Texas family. I've got everywhere yeah. or friends that I could just, Ask I've toured with help. a couple of artists who bring their kids. The first time I did it, it was the full band and him and his wife brought their baby, newborn baby. Yeah. And we were in Ireland in one of those weird sprinter vans. And we passed the time by throwing in money going, what time is she going to poop? Who gets to uh -huh, <laughs> like, uh -huh. that was that, that's kind of an inappropriate game to play, but no, everybody but like, was in on it. Yeah. And it made us it made well, the day honestly, go by. Honestly, like the babies on the road, like it seems like it makes it way harder and it does make it more challenging. But honestly, like it makes you wake up in the morning yeah. and go for a walk yeah. and get out of the room. Yeah. And they're always happy. And like, I remember one day specifically in the Trisha's, Joni was like two, two and a half, learning how to talk and walking around the hotel room. And Savannah, one of the other girls was kind of having a hard day, you know, and she was just kind of, she was in the bathroom, like getting ready. And she sat down on the side of the, on the side of the bathtub and Joni walked in and she just goes, Savannah, you look really pretty. And Vanny was like, 
thank you. <laughs> like, it was just like, you know. Made they, her day. And just make yeah. sure, you know, yeah. they, they're comic relief. Yeah. They yeah. are, like, entertaining. Yeah. You know, to try to make the baby stop crying in the back of the van. Like, you come up with tricks and everybody's in there, like, being yeah. a goofy clown. Like, it wouldn't have been like that had we not had the kids on the road. Yeah. And and so those are some of my most treasured road memories is, like, whenever we have the babies out. And now they're they're older. The baby now is almost three. He's hard still. But, like, the two- to four-year-olds are not fun road companions at all they still need naps they argue you know they're volatile <laughs> oh well macaroni but, yeah it's a, <laughs> it's, they, they're potty training you know that's yeah. not cool but the older ones are um almost 11 8 and 6 and like i'm able to just go hey i have a gig at green hall you want to come you have to keep yourself entertained while I'm playing, but like you can go to the general store or you can hang out, take a nap. I don't care. You yeah, know, read like a that. book. And they love it. Yeah. They love it. I took them to Tulsa with me New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I got a bus and went up there and took the whole family and we spent two days in Tulsa. And now they're starting to think that my job's pretty cool. Right on. You know? <laughs> um, as someone who toured a lot, the last several years how did uh last year did it how did it affect you um i don't want to use mentally but how mm -hmm. did that affect you mentally it i mean i felt really guilty about this for a long time but i have finally stopped feeling guilty about the fact that i loved it like i needed it mm -hmm. you know i've been trying to figure out how to take even whenever you're trying to figure out how to take a month off then something comes up. I'm taking something. August off. And then they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, I'll pay you $10,000 to come right. to Chicago. And you're like, ah! You know, like, ah, fine. It's just a weekend. You know? <laughs> just, but, like, it's so hard to do that whenever you're in such a big touring schedule. But whenever it was forced on me, I, at first, was freaking out, of course, and then went, well, the kids are all home from school. Let's just make the best of it. Yeah. So I got to know my kids really well. We had a routine for the first time ever. We didn't have any after school or after evening activities. So I could go. I had supper made every night. Like I got to do landscaping. You know, we put this year, even into the spring, I was able to coach their softball team. Wow. And like, I doubt I'll ever be able to do that again. Yeah. You know, I won't have that much time Yeah. next spring because that's when it gets busy. Yeah. So I really just went, okay, this is the situation that we're in. Luckily, my husband's in construction. He got to keep working. So, you know, we were and, – and we have a little bit of land. So the kids were able to just – I mean, it was like 1985 – yeah, at our house outside, they were outside play. we had a water trough swimming pool like the best they are gonna remember <laughs> this year as like the best year ever yeah and that's that was what i was trying to do like yeah. we're not gonna watch the news we're in a tiny town you can't go to school because of this this and this it's very serious but we're fine and uh we're gonna not see granny for a little bit yeah 
but then we'll be able to later. And here's the situation and here's how we're going to handle it, you know, and it, it was great. And all they heard was, we're not going to go to school. And all they heard <laughs> was go outside and go swimming, yeah. Yeah. you know? That's great. That's yeah. great. That's good to hear. Yeah. A lot of people didn't take it that A lot way, of people so. did not. And that's why I had kind of like a survivor's guilt about it. Yeah. Well, like all of these yeah. people are having such a hard time. And I was actually, I mean, of course, like I missed gigging and I missed performing. I started doing those online shows and those, I loved those. And the they helped me. Session, yeah. The trailer right? sessions. Yeah. And, and I missed my friends and all of that stuff. And I went up and down and, you know. I think that all of us go up and down in mental states naturally anyway, as creatives, you know, we're always doing that. But overall, as I look back on the whole time, it's overall positive for our family, which was um, a blessing for us. Yeah. Well, as long as it was positive for you, that's, that's all that matters. Right. I had to go. It's okay. It's okay to feel like, I needed that oh. breath, you know. Um, I know you have to get the sound check. I only have a couple more questions. Okay. It's called, this podcast is called, Is Breakfast Included? Mm-hmm. So if it was included, what would you have? Um, if it was included, I would have, okay, so there's this um, breakfast taco that's at Dairy Queen in Hondo. By the way, if anybody goes through Hondo, Texas around breakfast time, the secret is Dairy Queen. It's the best tacos in town because the ladies that run it just like make the best tacos (laughs) in the morning. But there's a breakfast taco called the Kitchen Sink and it has everything in it. Everything that you can possibly put there, they combine it all and throw it in the I remember that. Yeah, you should. (laughs) It's really good. It's my favorite breakfast. So you're going to make me come there to take you to breakfast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we can just drive through and it's great. Right on. Yeah. Uh, what do you have coming up? What do you have planned for the rest of 2021 and 2022? Well, like- I'm on the road off and on with Todd. This was the first um, couple stops on this Todd Snyder tour and they've been great. And I've got some Northeast shows with him, some Midwest shows with him all the way through the end of the year. And then sprinkling some festivals in and uh i have blocked off two weeks out of every month to not do anything so (laughs) so i've learned that i did finally after the forced break i went okay this is how we're gonna do this i'm gonna block two weeks half the month so um i'm gonna be able to go to the beach with my kids and take them to fiesta texas whenever i want to and it's going to be great. Right on, man. Yeah. Um, one more thing. I didn't ask you this when we were talking about the music. Teetotal Tommy. Did that arrangement, was that, did, is what, what what was laid down? Is that what you had in your head? It was one of the coolest arrangements Isn't I've ever heard. Isn't it cool? Well, yeah. the, way the, drums the secret are just... there is Scott Davis, who produced, he produced Jumping Over Rocks, and he produced that track. He's amazing at being able to communicate what is in my head mm-hmm. to the band like i can say hey make the drums be more like you know like this and he's like okay hey richie do this move and then like he does it mm-hmm. you know like i can kind of 
and and he automatically knows what I love. So that's why we get those players. We yeah. know who can do that, you know, make it real groovy and yeah. and again big and small and like do do that arrangement. We get those players for Yeah, it's really cool. For the millions of people listening. Yeah. Check that song out. Yeah, it's it's a Mickey Newberry song. Yeah. So there's a um he recorded it on a record called Looks Like Rain in the 60s and and I just love it so much and and I went into the studio just wanting to cut something and I was like this is what we're cutting today yeah. and um and we came up with that and collectively I just love that arrangement so much. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I really love it. That yeah. that's Richie Millsap from the Band of Heathens on okay. the drums and uh Scott Davis is playing bass and then Jeff Queen on the steel yeah. and Trevor Nealon from the Band of Heathens on the keys. Well, like the kids are saying, I don't even know if they're saying this anymore, it pops. It pops. It, it slaps. Pops. <laughs> it slaps. It's lit. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is right now. Um, where can people find you on social media? Well, Jamie Lynn Wilson with an I, Jamie, and then L-I-N, Wilson, uh, on all of the things. That's what it is on the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook and and everything. And we're pretty active on there, so we have a lot of fun. Like right I like sharing pictures. Instagram's my favorite. Like yeah. pictures. Yeah, your social media is pretty active. Yeah. I'm constantly getting the notifications. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. thanks for having those on. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. Well, thank you I for you... coming and talking to me. Yeah, for sure, man. I know the schedule was tight, but yeah. we made it work. We made right? it work. We're and... going to fist bump Yeah, now. cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah, and I'm going to look forward to listening to all your other episodes. Uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we had a little problem this week. Something's going on with Apple, and really? this week's episode didn't quite upload on everyone. Uh, so we're still working on it, but it'll be fixed by the time yours drops. All right. <laughs> cool. All right, bye. Thanks. All right on. That was Jamie Lynn Wilson. That one was a lot of fun. You can find her at jamielynnwilson.com. She has merch, music, tour dates. On all social media platforms, Jamie Lynn Wilson. That's Instagram, Facebook, the Twitters. TikTok, I think, and YouTube. She has this great trailer sessions that she does. Check those out too. You won't be disappointed. All right, guys, I'm done. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>